Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got a story of a wife getting left homeless. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our first story of the day is I bashed my best friend's car. My best friend and I have been friends since I was three and he was two. I was born in December and he in February, so for a few months every year we were the same age. I don't have any siblings and our parents always joke that he was my brother, but I seriously thought so too. I even tried convincing him to change his last name to mine, but luckily our parents found out and it wasn't like we could do anything about it at preschool, and that's pretty much how it's been our entire lives. I suggest the dumbest ideas and he goes along with it, and I'm not even ashamed to admit that I enjoy our dynamics. But then he started changing. He didn't want to do any of the weird things I think up like having a popsicle on a ferris wheel or having a barbecue party with only barbecue and no sides. And it all started when he went to college. My best friend Mark is really smart and he's so smart he almost got sent to one of those gifted kids schools when he was 7 but his mom's refusal was final. And I like to think my one week protest was helpful in avoiding that. But anyway Mark is really smart. And when we were juniors in high school, he got offered a bunch of AP classes that, combined with his athletic swimming skills, meant he could graduate a year early. Of course, he aced his exams and bagged all the credits he needed, and then some extra just for the fun of it. And before what I knew what was happening, our circle of two became a single line of one. Things just went downhill from that point. Before I continue though, let me point out that I'm heterosexual. So this wasn't the case of, ooh, a crush on your best friend or anything like that. I'd asked some of the people who were in a school band with me and they confirmed that they did feel strange when their siblings left for college. And that totally made sense. So I knew what I felt wasn't out of place. And like they said, I just had to wait till he was back for a break and it would be like he never left. But then he returned a few months after resuming college, and nothing was the same after that. Mark had a roommate, and he told me a few weeks after he moved into the dormitories that his roommate was cool. Just that. Cool. And we never spoke about the mysterious roommate ever again. Then Mark came to town to spend a week after his mom's birthday, and guess who came along? Steve the roommate. And I didn't even know he was coming, so I'd planned an entire weekend for the two of us to catch up. But I brought my casserole my mom made to Mark's house when he called to let me know that he'd arrived. And who did I see helping his mom cut potatoes? Steve. And I didn't even realize who he was because I'd never seen his picture. Until Mark's mom said, Steve dear, make them a bit thicker. They're for fries, not salad. And he gave her a wink that made her laugh. It was my confused, Steve? That got everyone in the kitchen's attention and Mark's mom rushed over to kiss my cheek and tell me thanks for her birthday gift. I'd helped her repaint her workspace in their backyard. But I couldn't hug her back properly because I was too busy staring at the intruder. And then Mark's mom said, you know Steve, right? But I didn't know Steve. Yet he shook my hand and I tried not to flinch at how firm his grip was. 
Then Mark came downstairs and I forgot that Steve was giving me the side eye. For the rest of the evening, I tried to start a conversation with Steve because we were sitting side by side and Mark was across from us, but he either pretended not to hear me or outrightly ignored what I said by starting a different conversation with someone else on the table. Mark's sister noticed and gave me a questioning look, but I shrugged and shook my head. As I was heading home, I told Mark I had plans for us to hang out the next day, but before I could get a word out, Steve popped out from behind him and said, Mark, don't forget about the tour you promised me tomorrow. Then Mark went on an explanation of how Steve had never been anywhere except New York where their college was, and he was excited to be in Ohio and see our town. And then Mark had the brilliant idea that we could all hang out after he and I showed Steve around town. I didn't want to hang out with Steve. He hadn't mentioned that Steve was coming, but for some reason, mostly the fact that I wanted to catch up with my best friend, I agreed. And it was the stupidest decision I've ever made. I've heard about relationships falling out when one partner goes away to college, but for a friendship that we've had for over 15 years, I didn't want to believe it. Not so soon anyway. But the things that happened that weekend certainly convinced me. When we met up for lunch the next day, they'd already ordered a platter that they were sharing. And as soon as I saw the content, I paused. It was seafood. I have a shellfish allergy. And Mark knows this because he was the one who brought me an EpiPen when I accidentally ate a taco that had shrimp in it. So I was wondering why they were having a seafood platter. Mark said Steve's favorite food was seafood and he didn't mind it, and I could just order something else, since there was no point in having three different orders, but two was okay? I was already feeling frustrated about the whole situation, but that just escalated how I felt about that. I zoned out for about an hour while they goofed off about things they'd seen. Yes, they started the tour before I got there, and when I couldn't stand it again, I decided to leave them to bro it out. And Mark didn't question why I left. I ran into Mark's sister as I was leaving the restaurant, and she told me she was worried about Mark's friendship with Steve, but she didn't want to intrude. I had nothing to say because I could barely sit through a conversation with them, and I didn't want Mark's sister to think I was jealous, and I totally was. It felt like I was losing my best friend, and I couldn't do anything about it. But a part of my mind reminded me that I was making assumptions, and I needed to try to get to know Steve better. Mark was my friend, and if Mark liked him, there had to be a good reason. I just had to find the reason. For the rest of the week they spent in town, Mark tried to get me to hang out with Steve, but I didn't want to expose myself to any more uncomfortable situations, and I decided to avoid them. On their last day, I offered to drive them to the airport because I wasn't entirely mad at Mark, just the company that he was hanging out with. The entire trip, Steve wouldn't shut up. Mark, remember when we did? Hey Mark, when we get to New York? Mark, do you think you'd still be able to spend Christmas at mine? And it was the last one that really drove the point in. If I had suspected it, then I knew it for certain. I had lost my best friend in less than four months. And there was nothing I could do about it. Fast forward to New Year's and Mark and Steve were in town. It officially become Mark and Steve for everything. Mark and Steve moved into a new apartment, Mark and Steve completed exams and decided to take a trip to Canada, Mark and Steve booked their flight, Mark and Steve were landing in 5 hours. After what happened the last time they were in town, I wasn't too excited about seeing either of them, especially Mark who had decided that answering my texts was too much work a few weeks back and resorted to once a month calls. A few days after they got to town, I told Mark to come hang out at the skate park with some of our mutual friends from high school. 
and I specifically told them to bring Steve along. They got to a park about an hour after the time we decided and they looked like they'd just come off a ferris wheel, winded and happy. I was having fun with the other people at the park so it didn't bug me too much, but when I went over to greet them, I heard Steve whisper ask Mark, why do you like dork crap so much? Skating? And I expected Mark to defend it or say something, but he just laughed and shoved Steve. By the time I got to them, they were still laughing. I didn't ask why and they didn't say anything, but I saw Mark look uncomfortable when I asked if he wanted to rent a board and do a few tricks with the rest of us. Maybe next time. That's what he said. And Steve shoved them and they were laughing again. I shrugged it off and skated for about an hour. Then we went to get dinner before they headed back to Steve's parents' house. And by the next day, all heck was loose. One of my friends sent me a link to a funny video he found on a crap post Reddit community and it stopped me in my tracks. It was a recording of me the previous day at the park, and the only way I knew it was me was because I saw my sneakers. Every other part of me had been edited as a turkey that was dripping filling and sauce all over the park, with everyone else edited out of the park. It would have been hilarious if I didn't know exactly who had done it. The same person who told the entire table at Mark's mom's birthday dinner that he was in his second year of a film production degree. Steve. The angle the video was shot in made complete sense, and I didn't have to think twice about confronting Steve, but it didn't feel right to do without letting Mark know. After all, there was no way I could meet Steve without Mark knowing, so I called Mark and asked if he was home, before going straight there. As soon as I stepped in, I saw Mark and Steve was nowhere in sight. That was perfect. I showed Mark the video, and he was laughing so hard his eyes started tearing up. Then he said, It cracks me up every time. And I knew that he knew about the video, because I'd only shown it to him once. So I didn't bother beating about the bush and I just asked directly, Did you know Steve did this? And he said he did. Steve thought it would be funny since Thanksgiving was only a few weeks gone, so it seemed like the Thanksgiving turkey was skating around after being left behind at the store. That explanation didn't make any sense to me because it seemed like I was literally the turkey who was left behind. But it had been enough for Mark to help Steve out with the stupid video and encourage him to post it. When I asked about my reputation and the possibility of someone seeing it, Mark said that's why he told Steve to make the turkey larger, so that nothing that could bring the attention to me would be in the video. And that's when I showed him the shoes I had on, which were the exact same pair I had on in the video. Then his mouth went, oh, and he apologized for skipping that, but still thought it was funny. I was beyond upset. Not only was I losing my best friend, but the person getting my place was mean with all the potential of being a bully. If he thought that was funny, then it seemed only right to actually give them something to laugh about. I texted Mark just as I got to my house and told him that the video wasn't a big deal and that Steve actually seemed cool. He was glad that I was willing to get along because Steve felt like I didn't like him. Wonder why. I told Mark we should take Steve to this cool new VR game slash laser tag place in the city, and he was game for it. He drove us in his mom's car, and while we were signing in, they had us drop all valuables at the check-in point to avoid losing items in the tag arena. And since I'd booked it, we were the party of my name. About 30 minutes into the game, I excused myself, faking an upset stomach from all the running around. Then I went to the check-in point, provided ID, and got the keys to the car. Then I took it for a quick drive down the road and 
I may or may not have scraped the sides before returning it to the parking spot. We had fun, I made them laugh, then as it got very dark, I suggested we leave so we could all get enough rest before the New Year's party the next day, and I told Steve I think he should drive and show us how us New York natives do it. He was more than eager to take charge and when I suggested that he get us a drink with his ID card, he had no objections. We were not getting any rest if I had anything to say about it. Steve bought the vodka, I suggested a game. Two truths and a lie. The only person who would be getting drunk would be Mark. He had no sense of lies. And I knew that because I was his best friend. And it was equal parts proof and revenge. Steve was surprised every time Mark failed to guess an obvious lie. And I smiled more with every shot Mark downed. Steve remained quite clear-headed, as I hoped, and drove us back to Mark's place. I faked being more drunk than I was and slumped across the couch opposite Steve and Mark who were sprawled on each other on the floor. Mark's mom's shout of his name woke us all up with a start, and when my head cleared I felt oddly satisfied. The last thing Mark would remember is Steve driving us. After all, he hadn't remembered telling me to marry his sister so we could be family when we got drunk off cans of beer. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Years at 13, there was no way he was remembering this. Steve looked confused as Mark's mom went on and on about the scratch on the side of her car, and I just stood there not saying anything. Mark, who was obviously hungover, kept repeating that he didn't drink and drive. Steve drove us, and I agreed completely. Then I offered Mark's mom a repaint job to help her out, and she immediately calmed down. I was a sweetheart, and Steve was welcome to stay the rest of the trip, but he had to be more careful. For someone who had tried to embarrass me on the internet, I'd one up Steve by setting him up for dragging by Mark's mom. It was the best New Year's I'd had in a while. Although OP might have one up Steve in this situation, was OP really a winner here, going and damaging his friend's mom's car? Like, do you think stepping away from the situation, OP can actually just feel good about it? I don't know if I would. I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. And our final story of the day is, am I the jerk for making my wife homeless? As a young kid, I used to hear tales of men being horrible to their wives, and it frightened me into wanting to be a better man. My father was the sweetest man to my mother, and so were my uncles to their wives. 
There was no role model directly around me that was outrightly a jerk. So I modeled my life after them. I'm a 47-year-old man, and my now ex-wife Paula is 45. We have three children between us, a son I'll call P, 22, and twin daughters Daisy and Poppy, 20. These are all fake names, but the ages are real. I love my family very much. I met my wife for the first time when I was 13. My family went to a water park, and she tried to drown me as a joke. Then I met her again at 21, a month before graduating from college, and this time I kept in touch with her. She was feisty and wild and kept me on my toes. The perfect match for a quiet and reserved man like me. We got into a relationship and got hitched when she turned 22, having her first kid barely one year later. I've always been a family man, so I adopted the stereotypical role of providing for my family, working my butt off every day and being the best dad possible. Paula had always been lazy. Sometimes I would get back from work and see the house dirty and the kids with their homework undone. At the time, I saw Paula as a perfect woman who could do no wrong. So I also helped out with the kids and the house as much as I could. They were my kids after all. What bothered me was the fact that my wife did not work and still did not take proper care of our toddler son and one-year-old twins. I loved her enough to accept that it was probably a temporary fix that would be over soon. Soon, turned into almost 10 years, and then I lost my job. The company I worked at closed overnight, sending its workers home with their salaries doubled as an apology for packing up with no explanations. I was properly depressed when I got home, and when I let my wife know what was up, she suddenly withdrew from me. Our suffering sex life turned non-existent, and Paula was always just mean to me. Instead of taking it to heart, I poured my everything into taking care of my kids. They favored me over their mother because I was generally nicer, paid more attention to them, and cooked nicer meals. Paula's favorite dinner was frozen pizza, frozen meatloaf on a good Sunday. Paula was home less and less after I lost my job. Any questions to where she was going ended up in yelling matches and breaking things. All of these frightened my kids, so I avoided them like the plague. I didn't want to admit to myself or anyone that my marriage was failing. At barely 8 and 10, my three kids already started talking to me about wanting me to have better than their mother. It hurt me greatly that my young, pre-teen children knew what a divorce was and wanted me to get one from their mother. Thinking back, my kids had a point, but I was desperate to save my family. I decided to take matters into my own hands and confront my wife about our relationship. I gave the kids to my mother for the weekend, made a lovely dinner with wine for my wife, and used up nearly all of my savings for flowers and a new handbag she'd been talking about getting with a friend of hers. She was in a good enough mood, so after dinner, we spoke at length about the financial situation of our family and how we'll progress. It was then that she let the cat out of the bag that she'd recently got into some acting work with a friend of hers, and she intended to take it. It would make her good enough money, but she would also need to be away more than she already was. Obviously, this didn't sit right with me. As it stood, I was already raising the kids on my own. I asked her if there was another alternative, and she looked me dead in the eye and said that I had to make double what she stood to make from her acting job. The very next day, after dropping my kids off at school, I also went in and applied for a job as a janitor. Because of my experience with woodworking, they offered me a job as a woodwork assistant for the nature club. 
It didn't pay nearly as much as my wife's acting job, but combined with the other things I did during the weekends, I made enough to put good food on the table again. Somehow, while being married, I became a single parent, working my butt off while Paula did whatever she wanted to do. My children are the best, and they were super understanding as they helped in whatever ways that they could, even getting jobs like babysitting the neighbor's kids and doing random cleaning. For the record, I had no idea that they got these jobs until my birthday when they surprised me with a brand new chainsaw. Over the span of seven years, I got and lost so many jobs. It was like the universe was against me. With every job I lost, Paula seemed to be more elated, rubbing it in my face that I would never make as much money as she. It was a little suspicious, but I wasn't surprised. By now, I'd given up on fixing whatever it was that we had. When our first son turned 18, Paula gave me divorce papers, announcing that she was finally sick of our awful marriage. I had been expecting it for quite some time, but it still hurt a bit. In nearly three generations of family, I was the first to get a divorce. Despite my family and kids doing everything to make me feel better, I couldn't shake off the feeling of disappointment of being unable to save my marriage. After Paula gave me the papers, she went MIA for a few weeks. I started to feel better, spending time with my kids more. They seemed happier and it made me happy too. Unexpectedly, after barely a month had passed, Paula literally crawled back, begging for a second chance. It shocked me, but she was quivering and in tears. In all the years I'd known Paula, she had never cried that much. I was concerned for her, and obviously I'm not a monster, so I let her back in and informed my kids. My son was just heading off to college, so it was just the twins, myself, and Paula. For the first few days, she tried pretending nothing was weird or suspicious, but I couldn't shake the feeling that something was up. After a week of being back home, I cornered her and asked her to speak up about the real reason she moved back home. She broke down and narrated to me that the acting gig that she'd been doing for the past couple of years was really sex work. One man in particular paid her to hook up with whomever he chose for his private collection. It was a little strange to hear and I was taken aback. Nearly 25 years together and I was finding out after we almost divorced that my wife was a sex worker. I kept my composure and asked her to go on. And she had no idea that the man had a family with children because he asked her to move in with him and she did. This was the reason why she was barely home and wanted a divorce. Unfortunately, his biological family that he'd been neglecting finally caught up to him and raided his home, finding all of her tapes and threatening to expose her. She called their bluff and they sold a few copies to a sex shop. The reason why she came back home was to minimize the damage control that was definitely going to happen at a point. I was beyond stunned that I had to leave the house and take a long walk. When I returned, she had made dinner and cleaned up my bedroom, begging that we talked because she had some more to tell me. As a man who's just been dealt a great deal of devastating information, there's only so much you can do, so I agreed, wanting to get as much as I could out of the way. We were nearly divorced anyway, and it seemed like the worst of it had passed. Boy, was I wrong. I was halfway through dinner when she started to speak about my job crisis over the past couple of years. My appetite immediately disappeared and I asked her very nicely not to talk about it as it was a sore spot for me. She asked me to be patient and continue to speak. I had the good mind to get up and walk out, 
and I was already on my way out of the living room when she yelled and said that it was all her fault, that I'd not been able to get a good enough job. I asked her to explain herself as calmly as she could, and she started with some buttering up, telling me how much of a good husband and father I was, and how she always knew I would achieve whatever I put my mind to. At this point, I was livid already and asked her to cut it out and explain herself. That was when she admitted to writing to my places of work that I was either suffering from mental troubles and wasn't allowed to work, posing as my caretaker. It hurt worse because if she didn't admit it, I would never know. Most of the places I laid off from did it very kindly, explaining they couldn't carry as much staff anymore. I asked why she did it and she admitted to not wanting me to earn double the amount she made from her acting job so that she wouldn't have to stop. It felt as if she ripped away everything that made me feel like a man for her own selfish gain and it was incredibly depressing to come to terms with the fact that she was just a terrible human. That night I bawled my eyes out in the bathroom for a long time before coming to the resolution that no matter how much of a pacifist that I was, Paula was truly a wicked woman who needed to be taught a lesson. The first thing I did the next day was to call up a lawyer, explaining everything that happened and asking for advice. Next, I penned a note to her and my family, letting them know in detail everything that I discussed with Paula and how I would not be associating with her anymore. Then, I served her with my own divorce papers since hers had been declared null and void. There was a lot of crying and begging from her, but I was completely desensitized to her tactics and only wanted the worst for her. I shielded my kids from the drama, keeping the twins with their grandparents and asking my son to spend Christmas and New Year's with them as well. The court case was messy and expected to drag out for a good long while. Paula tried to fight back with pitiful excuses and a shabby lawyer, but she got tried for defamation of character and was ordered to write a note to every place that she spoke badly about me and to tell them the truth. She also had to pay me a particular sum of money in a month's time or she would need to go to jail. Being flat out broke and out of acting meant that she had to take matters into her own hands and sell tapes of herself to pay me back. I enjoyed feeling the cold hard cash in my hands, I'll tell you that. Our divorce proceedings went on after that and I officially kicked her out of the house with everything that she ever owned. I sold the place and moved cities with my twin girls just in time for college and last I heard of her, she was homeless. It's been two years since, and my first son has finished with college. We're currently working on building our own company together. This time, it won't be screwed over by a selfish woman. So after everything, ending up homeless considering what job they did for most of their adult life, do you feel bad at all for this lady? Or do you feel like it's something they deserved and you have no pity for them? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, click on that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.